to um, call the combined open meeting into session. And uh, so I start with the calling the regional committee into session at 534. I will call Northboro um, at 534 with the exception of Bryce is not present right now, I think. We have two members not present. Matthew and Kathy. And Kathleen Palachko. So the and I will call oh. Superintendent Susan Green into session at 534. All members present. So the first item on our agenda is public comment. A time for anyone in the public to make a comment to the committees. Is there anyone in the public? Seeing none at this time, we move to our first uh, presentation of the evening, the NSPAC annual presentation. Thank you. So while you are getting set up, I just, <laughs> I think you are good. So we have um, an outstanding partnership with our uh, Northborough Southboro Special Education Parent Advisory. And Alyssa Degon, who is the president of NSPAC, is going to share a retrospective of some of the events that took place last year and also um, provide an overview of what to uh, look for as we move through the school year. Also in the audience is uh, Johanna uh, Shainer. And uh, Johanna is the Vice President and Technology Officer. And I believe, I'm not sure if Nicole Mayer is here. Um, she's not here today. But Nicole is the Recording Secretary, but she's not present. So I just wanna thank INS Pack for all its work and welcome you to the meeting. And Keith, you go to. Here's a slide that you've all seen before. Um, this is just a quick 
overview of what NSPAC does. I know many of you are very familiar with what we do. Um, we're currently supporting 760 students at IEPs and 200 <coughs> students on 504 plans. Um, we network, we provide educational programs, we work with the district. I'm going to go into this more in the upcoming slides, but um, one of the main distinctions of our group is that we support all the schools, um, as opposed to some of the more individual. Here's my next slide. So NSPAC is different than MLS and PTO. Um, and I've outlined a couple of the ways we are different, um, just so everyone is clear. We're a state-mandated public body to serve as an advisor to public youth um, and the district on matters pertaining to education and safety of students with disabilities. We have a duty to meet regularly with school officials to participate in planning development and evaluation of the district's special education programs. And as I mentioned, we do not represent families from one school, but we serve all families of children with special needs from across the entire district. And I'm happy to provide more detailed information if anybody needs it. So the um, thank you for Marie's team. They put together these beautiful pie charts for us this year to outline, well, to really break down the composition of students um, in our district. So this is for Northboro. Um, this does not include the pre-K students, but it is the rest. Um, so this breaks down how many students that are in IEPs in Northboro, which is 366. And then you can see a breakout of um, categories here. And then I have the next slide is Southboro. And I can provide this information to anybody if they want it separately. Um, <coughs> Southboro is, obviously it's a little bit of a smaller district, so we have a smaller amount of IEPs, 187, but a similar breakdown. Also, it does not include pre-K. And then regional, we're up to 207. This doesn't, um, I guess it doesn't include pre-K. This is regional, no pre-K, right, <laughs> that's not the point, okay. <laughs> um, and this is another breakdown for you. So you can see the range of students that are being serviced. So this is our grad slide. This is everything that our group did last year. Um, it's a lot of information that we had. Seven lectures and workshops, two social events. We work, um, we reach out to local newspapers and via the district to gather information out into the public. We have our own newsletter, we're on Facebook. Um, we did participate in Bebo Northboro, Southboro Kindness Week, and the first ever annual childhood fair this year. Um, we are collaborating frequently with our school committee liaisons um, at our district meetings. We had set, uh, nine total meetings between ourselves and the district this year, um, this past year rather. Um, we advocate for greater disability awareness promotion across the district. We participated in the district's equity audit. We work closely with district administration over the course of three months to really collaborate and redefine working with each other in an advisory role on special education programs and curriculum. Um, that was a great process, and I think we all really came out the better from that. Provided input on NSPAC priorities impacting the district's strategic plan, and we hosted a very successful in-person go-the-distance awards ceremony, and I think I'll 
Um, so our first um, speaker series event last year, last fall, was Carrie Magro. He's a young man with autism. Um, he's pretty famous. He actually advises for many um, TV shows and movies with the autism perspective. Um, so he's a really great speaker. He's really polished, and it was really, really great to him. Uh, we also had No Sibling Left Behind. This is a topic that isn't always covered, but the siblings of students or people with disabilities is um, a really big deal, especially as the siblings get older and they can sometimes, you know, have to take the parents' place and help them care for their Executive Function Workshop presented by Sarah Ward. This was our hit of the year. Um, we co-sponsored this with with Concord Carlisle, Hinga, Maynard, and Ashoba Sipas. Um, and we had a thousand people on this webinar. Um, we had to turn people away. It was incredible. Um, this was one that the district um, was fortunate enough to help fund for us. So since we split the cost between all of these um, different CPACs, it was a very digestible number. I really appreciate it. Couldn't have done it without you. And um, this is one of our number one topics when we survey families. Um, we don't have our survey results back yet from this fall, but usually one of the number one topics is executive functioning. I mean, it, it, it relates to everyone in the district, not just special education students. So I think that's why it's such a great topic. We also did a basic rights presentation on understanding the IEP. We always have new families who are new to the process, so this is a great way for them to know what they should know. We also um, worked to introduce some of the new key district staff members to our special education families. Uh, Megan Kelty did a literacy overview for us last fall. And then in um, early last year, we had a transition planning workshop, which I believe we do pretty much every year. We definitely want to plan to do that again next year. Um, and then we had our first social emotional learning workshop with um, what we like to call J-Lo, Jennifer Lipton O'Connor. <laughs> um, and that was really fantastic as well. We had two social events last year. We had a Fable Playgroup meetup, and we had our Parents Night Out social. Go the Distance Awards, as I mentioned earlier, was a great success. It was really, really nice to be back in person. Um, we had so much fun putting this together. We had 54 award recipients. Um, so we had nominees from all 10 schools, which is great, and we had two community members. Here are some pictures from the event. We also had, I don't know how to say it, DECA, um, which is a group here in the high school. Um, they were doing a plant sale on the side. And we had a um, we had a performance by the Unified Singing Club. They love to perform. They brought the house down. <laughs> and we want to recognize some of the things that we've noticed during the year that the district has done that we are fully in support of. And I know there are many that I'm not, not mentioning here, but I do want to highlight the Return of the Titan Games. There's my kid there. But um, it um, it was my first time going in person and. I, it's just one of those heartwarming moment days. I just, we really appreciate that the district works so hard to put this together. I think it benefits so many people. 
not not to mention the best or the best buddies of the group of kids from high schools who support. I can see they have so much joy being there as well. And as I mentioned earlier, um, at the Finn School at the end of the year was the first annual early childhood fair. We had presents there. It was it was a really great venue for us. We were surrounded by a lot of young education groups, um, many of whom I'd worked with for my own child, ABA services, music therapy, everything. Um, and it was a great way for us to reach out to the community. Um, in the past, we have often been at open houses, but that doesn't turn into a great opportunity for parents to stop and talk to us. It's not the right venue. This was perfect. So we really appreciate being uh, included. So looking ahead, um, we started to put together some events for this fall. We just had our um, we had our first quarterly meeting with um, with the district, and we are planning a parents' night out. We want our, our focus this year, in alignment with the overall district theme, is you know community building, making community connections. So a lot of what you'll be seeing this year is coffee and connects, parent outings. Like we we're so happy to get past just doing webinars with families where you just don't get any connection to anybody, even though you can get information, and we want to really work on getting parents to know each other. Um, so we have a playground meetup, um, and we are doing our first speaker series of the year, autism parent training, um, later in October. So in addition to what we're planning to do, we are also working on communicating everything in the best way possible. Um, so we're kind of going to continue our monthly meetings with Marie and her team and our school committee liaisons. Uh, we've got those meetings all set up. Uh, we're going to continue our community presence in a variety of different events in the community. Coffee Connect events. We are on social media. We update our website, local newspapers, and we are working through um, promotion through Parents Square and in um, our own newsletters. So, as I mentioned earlier, we spent a fair a bit of time earlier this year, sort of working through with the district how how NSPAC and the district works together. Um, and what we came up with was a real increased collaboration between our group and the district um, through streamlined communications, and we figured out a, a much more organized way to meet and work through everything that needs to be discussed. Um, we're going to be collaborating with the administration to promote NSPAC to more district families. That's already happening. Um, we continue to play an advisory role on SPED activities coming out of the equity audit. We are looking forward to mentoring, collaborating, and advising the LPAC once that is in a place where we can meet with those parents, um, with that board. And we want to continue to build a strong partnership between our group and the district as our role continues to evolve to one of more collaborative nature. So as we look ahead, um, this past year we did not run a fundraiser. But we do want to look into doing a fundraiser this year. Um, in the past, we've also had success with NEF and SEF grants, so we'll be looking into those this year. Um, and there are a few other grants we might, there's a cultural grant, there's a few others we've heard of that could be a good fit for us. Um, 
We've also had district support, and um, we do. We are interested in school committee budget support conversation down the road. Um, all of this funding is to to um, to help us support parent events, but also operational costs for a variety of um, web initiatives. Um, and this sort of summarizes ways to connect with us, where we'll be, where we are. Thank you. I'm sorry Nicole isn't here tonight, but um, if you have questions for myself or Johanna, we're here. Thank you so much for that presentation. It's amazing to see all of the, all of everything that has been done. Um, before you even got to the goal, I was thinking about how you were building communities, which was really impressive. So to have a goal built around that and connected to the strategic plan is, is amazing. Uh, it looks like a tremendous amount of resources for parents. Yeah. It's great. So open it up to comments or questions. Thank you, Sean. Um, thank you very much for the presentation. And I would like to say that, you know, when we attended the distance boards, and I think there were several school committee members that were also there. And I think one thing that really impressed me besides the music was the student presentations uh, when they gave, yes. uh, you know, speeches, and they were just phenomenal. They really were. It was, it was just, um, it was a wonderful evening, and I still have my mug that I bought, you know, to be kind. Um, and I'm, I'm anxious to see about that early childhood fair. It's the first year. I hope that that continues. And, and if there's some way that we can get the communication out to the parents that are just moving into the district, um, I think it's helpful that may not have school-age kids, but preschool and maybe looking for resources. I think that's wonderful. And my only question was, uh, when you were saying looking ahead, one of the bullets was to mentor, collaborate, and advise LPAC. Mm -hmm. I'm not familiar. What is LPAC? Um, what is that question? <laughs> that's a, our um, multilingual um, parent population. It's a parallel um, advisory that supports um, Rhoda and uh, ELD work. Um, so it's our L parallel as PAC group. Um, and we are working to establish that this year. Okay. I saw the EL and I'm thinking, okay, English line. Language learners, but there being another L in it, so I'm familiar with it. Was but I think so that would be English, wonderful. Uh, English learner parent advisory committee. English. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you for bringing up the um, build the distance awards. The what, that's one thing I didn't highlight tonight. I'm sure happy student spotlights was a new thing we did this year. Mm -hmm. um, we invited a couple of students to either speak and speak at the time of, or if they were more comfortable. Submit a video earlier, and their um, high school students at Algonquin's to talk about. Um, actually, I'm sorry, we did have one student last year. This year mm -hmm. we have two. We want to make it a little more broad. Mm -hmm. um, but it was for our high school students who had been receiving special education services mm -hmm. to speak about their experience and what they're doing if they're graduating. And it's, it's inspiring. And um, what's so nice about the distance is so many of those students, past educators, are there. And they can see that's my student now graduating. And just, it's really nice to see. Thank you. If I go through the chair, um, a great presentation, Allison. It's really, um, it's incredible uh, breadth and depth of uh, what your organization accomplishes each year. It's uh, very impressive. Thank you. 
Ray, could I ask you if you're going to rename Yale PAC to ML PAC? That is, Rhoda's in the audience. We'll have to uh, take that up later. Okay. Most likely. Once you, once you get used to ML PAC, we'll change it to ML. ML. Um, I guess I'll take Paul Buckus torch and ask, do you have everything you need? That's extremely productive. I've been a part of those meetings. And if you have as many parents uh, contributing, I know you took a big hit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, thank you for asking that. We, um, you know, it's it's been a little bit of a heavier load right now as we're trying to get our year running. Um, we're really encouraged, though, we just launched our survey about a week and a half ago, and we were going through the data today, and a couple of parents have actually reached out to maybe not a board member, but to actually actively participate, maybe take on a few things. So we're connecting with those parents right now, and we hope that that leads to um, some active involvement. Because um, I think it can be overwhelming for a parent who, especially if they're somewhat new to MS Pack, to, you know, oh, sure, I'll go on the board. Like, that's a little um, unlikely. burden with yeah. figures sorting things out. Right, but if we can give them a simple task to take on, or um, just, I found when I first joined, it was really great to just come to a couple of the meetings and just listen, and you learn a lot from parents who have been in the system a little bit longer, mm -hmm. um, and that was sort of how I got can we use liaison offer anything? I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, along the same lines, like you mentioned, fundraising and support from the school committee budget. Um, how much does it take to do all these things that you want to do? So we don't have a huge budget. I mean, um, in the past, we've received help from, and we continue to receive help from the district for some specific items. Um, and we work sort of a reimbursement route. Um, but um, I mean, I, I think the number we have right now is about $3,000, but we haven't really done like an audit of what we're like specifically wanting to do. Um, so you would want $3,000 from each school committee? or? I'm just, no. I'm just, no. <laughs> no. I'm just, no. So 3000 total, that would be comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I, and as I said, reimbursements, if we could just have our money, we can do the things we need to do. And, um, you know, we were generous with the distance. Um, we're lucky we don't have to pay some things like a location fee, but other things do add up. Um, so that's, yeah, that's sort of where we are. If I might into the chair, just remember, Kelly, the Northboro School the budget is larger than the South <laughs> <laughs> as you portion this out. You want to do on a scale, sliding <laughs> scale? Is that what I hear? Percentage wise? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd like to suggest that I was with the guidance counselors here at Algonquin recently talking about volunteerism and community hours, and then we can 
that some clubs have that as required. If you could tap in to at least do some of the schlepping when those events occur, like go the distance mm -hmm. and really not just for them to be there on the bookends beginning and end, but to mm -hmm. witness it. Yeah. Really, really witness it and take that in. That's a great idea. Um, I know Best Buddies here in high school is amazing. Um, you know, we had, we actually didn't have much success getting them to our event this year because their volunteerism at that time wasn't as strong as it has been in the past, like for in-person events, and I think they were sort of stretched thin, but um, we'll continue to reach out with them. One other thing I didn't mention that we are also really excited to work on, and we don't know how this will pan out, but we would really like to um, expand Best Buddies to other schools in the district. Um, we're beginning to talk with um, some some principals to gauge interest, but you know that's it's a parent it's a parent development piece. It's not something that um, you can just say you want to do it and then off it happens. It's, it's it's akin to running the Girl Scout in the school. You know, like you really need dedicated families there. So um, I think there's a little bit a little bit to it. That can be a little tricky, but the idea of having best buddies at a younger age. Really exciting. It would be, especially if yeah. the high schoolers were mentoring. Oh, right. The younger mm -hmm. ones in developing those best buddy skills. Mm -hmm. And then you've always got sort of that that line. Right. Right. Yeah. Any other questions or comments? Once again, thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next on the agenda, the school committees have three really important functions. One is policy setting, one is budget, and the last is um, evaluation of the superintendent. So tonight, the superintendent is going to present his goals for the year. So thank you. So um, a very important part of the work that I do is setting goals for myself in terms of helping the district move forward. Um, so this evening, I'll spend some time talking about the superintendent's evaluation process review the timeline, and then um, share with you my proposed goals um, for your consideration for approval or feedback. Um, before I begin, I will just share that um, as I enter my fourth year as superintendent, um, each year I remind myself that this is really challenging work, um, that assistant superintendents and directors and principals and educators also have challenging work, and there's always room for growth and improvement. And that is one area that I think is really um, exciting about being in education, is that we could be doing this work for 100 years, and I would find areas to fine tune, hone, and uh, develop our craft. So that said, um, I'll review the kind of the process. So one nice uh, component around the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education evaluation process for educators directors, principals, and the superintendent, is that it's the same five-step process. Um, that process begins with self-assessment. Um, self-assessment begins four standards and indicators. Um, and it's really a great opportunity to identify where, in terms of those standards, we think it's important to improve and grow. Um, from that self-assessment process, um, we take time setting goals, um, thinking about the goals we want to accomplish and really developing a plan uh, to accomplish those goals. Um, the next phase is implementation. 
so throughout the year, how will those goals uh, be accomplished? And what tasks will be important to um, move forward with to meet those goals? Um, formative assessment and evaluation, so an opportunity for um, the school committee to get a sense of how, how am I doing meeting the goals that I set? And there are opportunities for course correction um, and change of direction. And then lastly, summative evaluation. So at the end of the year, um, my role is to provide you with data and feedback around whether I met the goals I set forth or made progress for and uh, to provide evidence to the committee. Um, and then eventually that evidence and, uh, gets created into a summative assessment, which basically rates me on progress toward goals, but also on how I uh, met each of the four uh, standards. So in terms of timeline for this year, um, so um, obviously the first important step is for me to uh, complete the self-assessment, which I have, and think about what goals I want to move forward with um, and get the school committee's approval. Um, I did have a meeting with Jennifer Mack and John O'Shea um, to review my draft proposals, so they've had a chance to review those and provide me with feedback already. Uh, the next important milestone is December 7th, which is the um, formative assessment, so I will provide you an update on progress toward uh, my goals. I will note that from September 21st to December 7th, that is a very short window of time it's condensed, um, but I will provide an update at that time. March 8th is um, when I begin to prepare for the end of cycle report, um, providing evidence around goals and focus indicators. Um, and then with the expertise of Cheryl Luffrey, um, we'll send out a Google form for um, each committee member to provide input and feedback around um, how they think I'm meeting. May 25th is the due date for your work and feedback. And then May 27th through uh, June 2nd, that is when um, the combined chair, superintendent three chair and um, regional chair get together and actually draft um, my summit of evaluation. And then that gets presented uh, in open session at the June 15th combined school So. This is kind of outlines the timeline of events and events. Um, and before I start speaking about my goals, I'd be happy to answer any questions about the process. And last year, Joe and Paul um, had the pleasure of drafting the report. So they are, I highly recommend reaching out. They, um, they had a streamlined process that I think was very manageable. And, I think there were some lessons learned. There are sure. I'd just like to make one comment that I think that you know each of us sometime will get to be chair and to work with Greg and in coming up with the goals and the um, evaluation tool. But I'd like to let everybody know that Cheryl Leverick has done a fantastic job making it a lot easier to do, and she's always available to go over the instrument and give us tutorials in it and how to get the all your individual. Um, evaluations and pile it together. So it's an easier process. I think it used to be daunting before. And I think Paul, working with Paul all the time and working with other chairs has always been enjoyable when you work with the region, works with the union. It's always a, a wonderful process. But 
hats off to Cheryl Leopard for the way she streamlined it. She makes it a lot easy, a lot easier. And I would share that there's a lot of work up front for the superintendent to do the work. Mm -hmm. um, and then the real work of getting feedback starts again in March, April, and May. So we'll have more updates around what that looks like specifically. And I know other committee members have been available to answer specific questions that maybe members who have not gone through this process So with that said, I would like to um, share what my proposed goals are for the 22-23 academic year. Um, like prior years, my goals center around leading the district and making progress toward its Vision 2026 plan, Educate, Inspire, and Challenge. Um, and my goals align with the, the plan's five strategic objectives, um, empowering learners, equity of opportunity, healthy and balanced learners, educator learning, leadership, and lastly, finance and operations to support teaching and learning. And I have the unique pleasure of um, really working with a team of people to move these goals forward. So, um, you know, Dr. Reinhorn, Mr. Loy, Marie Allen, Jennifer O'Connor. My goals really are a reflection of the work that's happening throughout the district. And really, my task is to make sure I'm putting people where their strengths are so we can move forward in terms of making, making progress to our district. Excuse me, can you project on the screen? Sure. Uh, or, or pause the screen? We probably need to turn the Apple TV on. Yeah, yeah. Why is that the Furthermore, in terms of, um, you know, in addition to my goals, um, I will focus on four standards uh, that are part of the superintendent and district administrator rubric. Um, the four standards are instructional leadership, management and operations, family and community engagement, and professional culture. Um, and within those four standards, there are nine indicators that I have uh, selected this year. Um, each year, the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education highlights focus standards. Um, I have selected the uh, department's focus standard as, as the standards that I'll move forward with in educators. Um, as a district to educators evaluation process and principals evaluation process also parallels um, this method in this format. And one of the uh, areas of work that we've uh, really tried hard to align is making sure that uh, educator goals, school improvement goals, plans, the district strategic plan, um, director, uh, principals, goals, and my goals are aligned so that we're moving in the same direction and making progress toward um, the five strategic objectives. So the first goal really centers around empowering learners um, and really centers around collaborating with within and, and across schools to ensure consistent implementation of high quality instructional um, practices and resources, um, continue collaborating within schools to implement high-quality instructional um, practices, systematically promote innovation in teaching and learning, and provide uh, opportunities for students and educators to use technology to problem-solve, learn, and communicate. And I'll highlight a few action steps. Um, so the first is to further develop systems for professional collaboration to support high-quality, evidence-based 
instructional practices. We're looking at how we collaborate as teams across our um, 10 schools and as a leadership team um, to move forward with the goals set forth in our strategic plan. Also, also providing opportunities for peer-to-peer -peer observation practices such as instructional rounds. Um, and we've embedded that this year in our educator evaluation process for educators. The other um, um, action step is to make innovative practices visible um, to key stakeholders, clearly uh, shine a light on those innovative practices that are happening in our school pockets, and really communicating those out to um, others, whether educators, their schools, and a larger community. And then lastly, um, much of this work has, has been started, which is launching a rebranded website. Um, we're in the process of fine-tuning that website. Um, launching a district communication tool, so having a unified communication tool and then a communication plan. And then seeking feedback from uh, key stakeholders on um, whether we're improving communication and meeting the target um, moving forward. The second a strategic objective is equity of opportunity, and that is really providing all students access to challenging and culturally responsive uh, learning experiences that meet individual needs. Um, so one of the work areas we're really focusing on is developing and implementing coherent systems for collecting and using student learning data to better inform the work that needs to move forward for our students and groups of students. Um, also looking to foster culturally responsive and inclusive communities and environments that provide equal access, um, develop and implement consistent systems to identify and address student individual needs for a full range of learners, <coughs> ensure excellence in the continuum of educational program for student support services, and lastly, to ensure quality, coherence, and equitable access to courses and programs. And just a few action steps that, that I'll highlight. Um, to move this work forward is to um, develop and implement data systems for how data is collected uh, systemically across our 10 schools um, to inform instruction and to provide schools and teachers with data dashboards to make informed decisions. To implement Elevation, which is a student management system for multilingual learners and former multilingual learners or English learners. Um, to develop, uh, implement year two of a world of difference in secondary schools, uh, and to develop peer mentors to, uh, to help implement the civic standards <coughs> identified in history and social science framework. So last year was our first year implementing a world of difference, and it was a uh, success, and this year is uh, really moving that work forward in year two, and really getting our peer leaders involved, peer mentors involved. And then lastly, um, assessing the current implementation of evidence-based inclusionary practices and identifying areas of improvement um, and ensuring that these practices are being implemented across our schools. In terms of strategic objectives, uh, four, uh, three, helping balance learners, which is really prioritizing the social, emotional, and physical well-being of students. Um, so we continue to work on developing a coherent and systematic approach to social and emotional learning, pre-K through 12. Uh, and we're also looking at a, developing a comprehensive approach to health education uh, pre-K through 12. Um, so last year we worked on developing a baseline of our SEL um, student needs. From that work, we'll continue to be using that data to really inform what the next steps are in terms of creating programs and experiences for students 
social emotional learning um, This year, um, we're focusing on the Health and Wellness Committee um, to review the Health and Wellness Committee's functions and roles and making sure it has a clear path on its work. Um, Health and Wellness Committee is led by Mary Ellen Duggan. It's been a couple years that we've been able to meet in person and really fine-tune how its mission and purpose. Um, some of the work will center around policy development and also um, work um, looking at the Metro West Health and Adolescent Survey data and um, determining on what we need as a district to move forward. Um, and lastly, um, another action step that I'd like to highlight is although we have changed the start time and I've gone from regional high school to 8 o'clock, we've moved the hands on the clock. Um, but looking at students' um, social emotional um, well-being is far more than just having a later start time. It's looking at students' stress levels in terms of sleep hygiene, um, looking at homework levels, um, looking at uh, overcommitting, and really providing students with the tools and skills to find balance in their lives um, when it sometimes is very hard to find that balance in this work that we're looking for. The next strategic objective is educator learning, uh, learning and leadership. Um, so demonstrating continual growth through professional collaboration. Um, so really increasing uh, district leaders, school leaders, and teachers' capacity uh, to improve teaching and learning. We believe that every uh, member of our organization is a leader, um, from students to staff to educators to principals to central office. Um, and really, last year we um, aligned, we launched our alignment of school improvement plans. And this year, it's really looking at refining those, setting new action uh, plans for the 22-23 year school year, and um, really identifying work progress that was made in the first year of implementation. Um, another, another implementation action step is um, providing opportunities for district and school leaders to further develop their skills, whether it's observation, feedback, coaching of educators. So really working on um, you know, the goal of educator evaluation is to improve an educator's uh, ability to work with students and making sure that feedback that we're giving to educators really is helping us move in that direction. And lastly, um, as I mentioned earlier, really assessment, uh, assessing implementation of year one of our school improvement plans um, and thinking where there needs to be some adjustments in later models. Um, and lastly, strategic objective number five is finance and operations to support teaching and learning. Um, so really developing, supporting, and operating sustainable, attractive, well-maintained safe schools. Um, so this year we are um, working very collaboratively with our um, safety officials, municipal police and fire, and we are um, sitting back down at the table discussing uh, best practice and how we can continue that partnership moving forward um, so that we are prepared for um, potential events um, we're ready. Um, Engaging the uh, school community in open dialogue about the qualities of school facilities um, that will support the next generation of North and South Coast students. Um, identify ways, systematic ways to increase energy efficiency, decrease costs, increase reliability uh, and security improvement for our facilities. Um, adopt a new um, information system power school. So that was um, 
achieved, but we are still fine-tuning and learning how to use that data efficiently um, in terms of reporting out to parents, reporting out to um, the community. And lastly, um, we continue to work on our transportation system um, by looking at how we can improve uh, the efficiency of how we use our buses and also, also customer service. Some, some large areas uh, of action steps um, center around safety and security infrastructure, um, really looking at adding to the infrastructure and security um, protocols that we have in place, looking closely at enhancing security access, um, looking at our security camera system, um, and just overall partnership with the district is an action step. Um, looking at training, systematic training for safety protocols and procedures for district staff, so with every traumatic event that happens in a school district, um, there's always learning and lessons learned. Um, so we are working closely with our, again, safety officials to um, hear what those lessons are and what practices and changes we need to make as a result. Um, another action step is to continue to um, partner with the town on long-term uh, capital and master planning. Um, in the community of Southborough, we have the Neary Building Committee working with MSBA. In the community of Northborough, we're working on um, submitting a statement of interest for uh, Peasley School as well as a statement of interest for stuff accelerator repair projects at um, Proctor. Um, and then at the high school, we are looking at improving our overall um, athletic complex. Um, and that is a major um, project. In terms of um, the four standards and the indicators that I've selected, um, I won't spend too much time on these, but for standard um, one, which is instructional leadership, um, I've selected curriculum um, and really focusing on monitoring and, and assessing progress across all departments um, and content areas to ensure that we're um, systematically implementing effective and rigorous curriculum. Um, the next indicator that I selected um, is instruction, um, really looking at how instruction is taking place in our classrooms, making sure that we have uh, evidence-based instructional practices happening, making sure we have high expectations and um, folks are getting effective feedback. Standard two is management and operations, so I selected a 2A, which is environment. Um, making sure we have plans that effectively um, use procedures, routines, and operational systems to address a range of safety, health, and emotional and social needs of students. Also in um, standard two management operations, we selected 2B, which is human resources and management development. Um, and that really speaks to looking at how we can um, do a better job um, retaining our current faculty and staff and recruiting a more diverse workforce that really um, mirrors the students that we had attending um, public schools at home, home So looking at, um, looking at hiring a diverse workforce, looking at job embedded professional development, looking at ways we can provide opportunities for ESPs to grow and develop into educators uh, in our system are areas um, that we kind of need to long with the HR department. 
For standard three, it's family and community engagement. Um, so, um, which is 3A engagement. Um, so they're looking at um, monitoring and supporting comprehensive culturally responsive and collaborative engagement practices that welcome and encourage every family to actively participate in our schools, our classrooms, and across the um, also, in standard three, I selected communication. Um, so, really looking at how we engage in regular two-way communication that's culturally proficient and in a, a way where families can actually um, comprehend and understand and actually participate in the work we do um, from the classroom, school, uh, to the district level. Um, also, 3B. Um, for the standard sharing responsibility. Um, so monitoring adherence to district-wide policies and practices that promote um, continuous collaboration um, with families and support student learning development uh, both home and school. And then lastly, the last standard is professional culture. Um, so promoting success for students by nurturing and sustaining school culture from reflective practice, high expectations, and continuous learning with your staff. So I selected um, communications. Um, so focusing my work on communications uh, to families, the larger um, stakeholders, to the school community and the school community. And then lastly, um, continuous learning, um, making sure that I'm staying current and um, in my practice and um, engaged in staying current research and best practices, um, and also making sure um, that the team that I work closely with also is engaged in that work. So that is um, a summary of uh, the goals that I set this year, and standards, and the indicators that um, I'm proposing to move forward with the 22 23 school. And if you have to answer any questions or um, hear any feedback, Thorough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Greg. That was very thorough, so really not so many questions. Um, I appreciated hearing you talking about our students' stress levels and sleep hygiene, you know, technology balance in life. Um, as part of uh, you know your goal and initiatives, um, is involving parents in this conversation part of your plan? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a couple of. Um, thoughts come to mind. First, I think that students need, need to be actively engaged in the conversation. I think families, we need to hear from families' perspectives. Um, we need to give families opportunities to learn about strategies and ways that they can support uh, their, their learners at home. Um, so I think it is part of the work that we need to do. Um, you know, Jennifer Lipton O'Connor is planning on some um, family and community engagement sessions around these topics. I think seeking more feedback is essential. Um, and then finding some tangible ways that we can support our students in managing their, their overall um, stress level and finding ways to um, have a, bal a balance in, in terms of their school, um, home, um, personal life. To a degree, is that also possible to do for staff? Because it's such an ecosystem. 
It is. I mean, I think it's interconnected, absolutely. Um, I think that um, it's essential. I think a lot of we're also working on making sure our, our staff feel balanced. Um, I feel like they have a balance in their professional lives and their personal lives. Um, but having conversations around what it is like to be a, a learner in our system and ways we can mitigate those stresses is, is essential because the educators are the, the folks who are implementing uh, our practices and our policies, um, which can oftentimes unintentionally create additional stress in our students. Um, so working closely with them to make, to make sure that they're part of the conversation and part of how we help uh, address this with students. I think it's essential, and I think if you are a teacher who's learned to appreciate the biology of stress and what that the toll that it takes, the very long time, but you also um, work with the curriculum in a way that doesn't feel stressful. So that would that would be my hope, and I appreciate the um, focus that you've made at this. Um, I like to say that I was impressed with standard four in professional culture. I think that what you had in there about. Uh, being informed of reaching out to the community and also to develop and nurture culture in which staff members are reflected by their practice and you're supporting opportunities for the administration and teams to collaborate together on effectiveness and I think it's, as people say, it's always from the top down. Mm -hmm. So I think with you at the, at the helm with the assistant superintendent and then the district office and modeling a, a, a professional culture that we accept everybody and we listen, I think that's the best thing that you know I, I've seen in, in you as a leader of our of our districts, is that if you do that, then in the district office, that's gonna filter down to the principals, it's gonna filter down to the principals to the teachers, and then teachers to the students. Everybody is going to mirror and act the way that they're treated. And I think that this is something that you know, I'm glad to see that it's there. I think we do it, but I think that, you know, there's always times and situations when we can do a little bit better. But I'm really glad to see what you put in there for standard for the professional culture. Thank you. Um, I was along the same lines of being glad to see something in there under the uh, finance and operations. Um, when you mentioned the, uh, the MSBA process possibly for Peasley and I was glad to hear you mention Neri in there. Also, from the standpoint of, I know, having done this little subcommittee for a while previously, some of these, um, there's a lot of groundwork that needs to be laid for, the, for this process, and it's I know it's a lot of time and effort and organization um, behind the scenes, and it can take several different directions, but there's a lot of work done for that, and um, I'm glad that it's recognized and can be acknowledged later this year. Question. Um, and perhaps not for this year, but maybe something to think about to get your reaction to um, the, the timeline, the way we evaluate. I'm just wondering if there isn't an opportunity to, to do some type of survey, both of the teachers, your staff, and parents about how do they feel. Um, I guess you're progressing against these goals that the community can then consider. So maybe perhaps to too much for this year, but maybe think about for future years. Yeah, so we, 
360? Yeah, so we do, I do um, a 360 survey. Um, has not, has not included um, parents in the community. Um, that's something we can look at. But it does include the folks that um, the national leadership team um, getting their feedback and, and input around how I can become a better leader and support them. Does each school get um, surveys? Yes, yeah, so each, um, each administrator, each NASA member also um, seeks, seeks feedback, feedback from their, um, their school employees and folks work closely with. Seeing no other questions we need to vote on, please put the vote in motion to accept these proposed goals. I'll make the motion for the region. Second. I'll make the motion for Northbrook. Second. I'll make the motion for Union. Second. Motion for Southboro. Second. And then Roger, we each vote differently. Uh, can we all vote? Um, Southboro first. All right. Uh, so moved and seconded. Is there any discussion? All in favor? It's unanimous. Northborough. It's moved and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor? All opposed? Abstain? One abstention. And the region moved and seconded. Any discussion? I guess I would just make a comment that certainly if anybody has any concerns, um, they should feel free to reach out to school committee members at any time throughout the year, because um, that's certainly something we can, we can address. So it doesn't necessarily have to wait till the very end of the year to receive feedback. We can certainly receive feedback at any time. Um, all in favor? Opposed?
and then also um, make sure that I have an understanding of what type of data uh, and information the school committee needs to make an informed decision around the calendar for uh, the 23-24 uh, academic year. So, um, in your packet, um, I provided three calendars, uh, and draft A is the first calendar I'll review. Um, so, the draft A calendar is uh, a very traditional calendar to what the calendar has looked like over the past um, few years. Um, it has uh, Rosh Hashanah, um, Yom Kippur, Good Friday. Um, Rosh Hashanah is typically a holiday that if it falls on a school day, um, the district has observed that holiday. Um, but this year it is on a weekend. Um, but Yom Kippur um, is on Monday of next year, and that would be a day off. And then Good Friday. And then um, PD days um, in this calendar, calendar A, are scheduled on election days. Um, so we have, um, I believe, the 24th and the 14th um, scheduled as PD days. So a school would not be in session for students, but um, our educators would be involved in the session. So a very um, traditional calendar to what it's looked like in the past several years. And the last day, uh, barring no snow days, would be um, June 12th. So the second calendar, uh, draft B, um, has um, school um, on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. So this is a shift. Um, since Rosh Hashanah is on a weekend, um, it really is not impacting this calendar. Um, but this would be a shift. We would have school on, um, on Yom Kippur, um, which is the 25th. Um, so that is a change. And then also um, Good Friday, um, which was on um, the 29th. Um, that would be a, a, a school is in session. Um, and then we have um, PD on, on uh, 9.25 and 329, so those religious holidays, um, educators would be in session, for mm -hmm. mm -hmm. the last no, election, election days. Elections. Yes, I'm sorry, election days out of school. So no, no, um, Yom would be not be observed, and Good Friday, and PE day would be And lastly, um, this is what I just explained, calendar C. <laughs> um, so calendar C, um, we would have P on 925, um, which is Yom Kippur, and P on um, three on Good Friday. And we would um, ask the communities to not have their election sites uh, in our schools. So those are the three um, draft calendars to serve as a catalyst to begin the conversation and, and discussion. And what would be helpful for me today is, again, what information and data collection would you like me to engage in so that on the next time
combined committee meets, I can provide the committee with that data so um, it can make an informed decision. Okay. Um, one thing that I think that I'd like to know is, and, and I don't even know, I've mentioned in the past, I don't even know if it's able to because we don't collect that data, so maybe it would be, have to be an independent survey. It would be how many families are impacted by religious holidays in general throughout the year, and which families are. Even if they're not, it maybe even personally if they're impacted by it, but we don't have a date for them. Um, I remember last year we had um, young students you know, asking about, I think, adding to all I think it was, so the and things like that. So I'd like to hear from the community members in that sense of who's impacted by having it and who's not. I know I'm a practicing Catholic, but, you know, Good Friday for me I, is, is not one that I would be personally upset by, but I know other Catholics who might be upset by it. You know, so I'd be curious to see how the community feels about having dates and not dates. Um, the other thing, you know, is I'd like to look at neighboring towns and how they do things. I <clears throat> took it upon myself <laughs> to today to pull up the local calendars for this year for the ones. Um, and it just shows you, one, I was like, oh, I like the way this looks. It's a little easier to follow the, <laughs> not the calendar tell you exactly what versus the triangles and the circles and the squares. But I've heard lots of compliments about having all the additions this year, so that was great. But, um, so one for design sake, I thought would be nice to compare to other schools, but also to see what it is. And just briefly about like the elections, I know it's a big impact on us. Um, so I look to see which people have it. There's only, I think, one that, that has it and they have a PD day on an election day. Um, and, it, and it's just the national election day that they have it. Um, and then the other ones don't have anything, but they have it in their schools, you know. But again, our community members feel that they don't want to have school in session if the election's in the schools, so you know, that's totally But um, I was looking at the other places that they do have the elections and um, besides that, so that would be information to get also to get it out of schools, other possible scenarios. Um, I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit to how, you know, some of the, the arguments or discussions that come up in terms of, you know, I think the issues that you raised about taking, potentially taking some religious holidays away, but also the comments and concerns that you've had from patient, uh, patients, from, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm still at work, right? <laughs> um, from parents whose religious uh, holidays are not observed, and then also integrating that into how you might think about managing that through the policy um, that we have in terms of how parents, how families can celebrate those holidays. Yeah, so I think that's a great point. We do have a religious observance policy um, which provides um, families, parents, and guardians a mechanism to observe whatever um, observance it is that's happening. Um, I would say over the past um, three, five years, we have received a number of letters advocating for adding additional holidays whether, or observances, whether it's Diwali. Um, you know, so I, I have a stack of letters that I will um, make part of kind of the informational packet to the committee. Um, but I think that um, some of the, some of the <coughs> thoughts that I've heard is that you 
observe Good Friday, why don't we also observe um, Diwali? Um, I've also heard comments that you know, in this in this time of um, anti-Semitic environment around our country, that it's not the time to remove Jewish holidays from the calendar. So I think there's a lot of um, voices that need to be heard and a lot of thoughts. Um, but I, I I do think it's important to share that we do have a religious observance policy that, although it's not on the calendar, that provides a method and a mechanism for families to observe the holiday um, that is important to them or observe um, their practice without having a child being penalized academically for taking the time uh, to do that. Go ahead. Uh, wait, uh, Roger, was next. I'm sorry. So, uh, thank you. So, I think we mentioned this in a previous meeting. Um, we, we've got three committees, but there's only two towns involved in elections. Currently, are elections in both Northboro and Southboro held in schools? Is that not true? Both of them are in the middle schools. Okay, so has there been any, so if, if um, we move forward this thought of not having elections in the schools, um, has there been any reaching out at all to uh, uh, to town uh, leadership about this or not yet? Not yet. Okay. I think there's been some very preliminary conversations. Um, okay. Yes. Um, I think it's nice to see on all three calendars how much earlier the last day of school is. I'm not sure how how that came to be, but. Um, I know a lot of frustration with a lot of families is that, you know, the way that Juneteenth falls and how it plays into our calendar is not always ideal with it. I think this year is another example of it's on a Monday, depending on snow days, we may be back for like one day after a long weekend. So I think strategically planning our calendar that our last day falls far enough in advance that maybe Juneteenth doesn't come into play, um, even with a few snow days. My one concern about, um, I do kind of like draft B, I think, but my one concern is um, with some of the other calendars, having professional development days on holidays, how would that be handled with staff who may observe those holidays? So, um in the collective bargaining agreements, there, there's language that allows them to observe their um, preferred religion or the day. Okay. Um, it, is a, it is something that would be an obstacle for some of our faculty and staff. Right. And it's a trade-off, um, so it's not ideal. Okay. And then I guess the other thing, and I know there's a lot of talk about this, and we've had some public comment about you know really pushing to get the elections out of the schools. Um, and I think part of it is, you know, we have 10 schools, but we only use two for elections. So having the entire district be off. Um, and I like the idea of having professional development days on those election days, but I think it would also be better if the elections were out of the school, we could strategically place our professional development days on better, better days or better times for, you know, you guys to have your professional development and not towards the end of the year. and. Um, you know, I think for a lot of working families, a random Tuesday in the middle of the week is a hard day to have off. Um, so I'd 
I would love to see a push to really get the elections out of the schools. So I will, I will share that the, uh, placing the PD case on the election days yeah. is, is not ideal in terms of a design principle. Yeah. It's not as if we said, you know, when can we maximize these two PD days? And it wasn't they serendipitously ended up on those two election days. So yeah. we would place them differently if, if we didn't have that option. option. Yeah. Okay. This has always been an issue. Even before we had it on our computers, we used to always have color coded in the orange and the green and the yellow so we could see the difference. Um, and it is an important issue knowing that it affects everybody in our district and parents. What I would like to see and what I would like to suggest is somehow, if it's condensed, if you have each of these, but do it in a survey that goes out to the parents and also out to the teachers. Um, just at our uh, first September meeting in Northboro K-8, we had two parents that voiced their concerns already in, through the public comment section. So I think that you know a lot of times we don't have a lot of audience, but we've had a lot of audience members that spoke about the religious holidays in the past. Um, and I would like to know what the parents want to see. This is what they own. This is what they own with their kids. And I know a lot of people may take the time to answer and some don't. If it's a link through your, you know, Friday memo to the parents, something like that or something, you may want to streamline it. This might be too much information. Give A, B, and C what religious holidays, no religious holidays. But also I think that is which is important would be doing an attachment of the two policies that we have, the religious observance and there was another one that we mentioned. I think we do a list of all the holidays. Yeah, okay, and then if there's one, you know, what happens during the observance? If there's any policies to go with it, make it as a link, not say go to the website and figure it out. Just have it there so that people can see it and review it. Thank you. Sure. Thanks, Sean. Um, so I'm going to sort of tag off of Joan. Um, I do agree that that information from parents I think would be valuable for us as we make a, a decision. Um, with the caveat of families understanding they're not voting for a calendar, they're choosing one that maybe would fit their family's needs so that we can make an informed decision. Um, I would say I would really like to see a draft D. Um, <laughs> um, I would really like to see draft D be added as um, something to think about with um, no religious holidays and elections out of the school. Um, information I think that's important for us to have is how many people in our community actually know about the, the religious observance policy? How widely is it, um, uh, I guess, utilized by students, um, as well as by staff? I mean, staff might not know. Um, I feel like as I'm a, on, the, on the policy subcommittee for North Road, I don't even know all of the policies in you know for our district. So I'm sure parents who are juggling a million things may not know about it or know exactly what it entails. Um, and I guess my only question or information to, to get is what would the process of getting the elections out of the schools be? Um, is there a timeline associated with that? Is there any red tape we need to go through? Yeah, I mean, I think that is a conversation that we need to start sooner than later. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that is a conversation I'll begin to have with both towns, both communities around, you know, is it feasible, what would it impact the 
an alternative for the election. Um, I really concur with the opportunity to separate church and state, possibly. Um, and if we did observe holidays, they should reflect the makeup of the school. I've not heard about any Muslim holidays to date that may be of concern. Um, and the other piece is, are we continuing to call Columbus Day, are we naming it that, or converting to Indigenous Peoples Day, as many of the schools around us have? We, um, it's Columbus Day on this calendar, and that would be a consideration for the committee. That would really be to be changed if there's a vote to be had. So, and did you think? I did. Um, we'll circle back I don't know if you all remember, but back to Erin's com comments that she shared, I just wanted to echo that I agreed with um, all of what she added. And um, so that, that's kind of what I was waiting to say. Um, in terms of the survey out to parents, um, we did that previously. So maybe before sending a new survey out, maybe just um, amongst the uh, three committees, you could reshare Here's the information we previously gathered um, for review, and then we can go back to, do we still want to send out another one? Um, the reason, I guess, why there is a case for sending another is that the population has changed over the last year. Um, there are new residents, new makeup, um, but um, we have collected some of that information previously. Um, so I just think maybe resharing that. Um, I just wanted to say that I think that, um, so the last time, I think that no religious holidays issue was really seriously considered by all the committees was maybe five or seven. Yeah, okay. So, and I remember at the time, there were a lot of really passionate people who came to the meetings and shared their um, thoughts on how important it was for them to retain the Jewish holidays on the calendar. So I think that in gathering all of the information, I think it's going to be really important to articulate clearly why we're looking at this now. Um, one of the things I remember being shared is that the Christian holiday of Christmas is sort of codified in the law, so it has to be a day off. And so, you know, to have these alternative holidays, it's, you know, there really is no true separation of church and state in a way. Um, when you look at it that way. But so I just think all of that, if we have um, the most information we can have at the time that it's really brought forward for public comment and discussion, um, that would be helpful. And I think the letters you referred to or whatever other information we have might be helpful. I don't know that it will change many people's minds given, but we'll, we'll see. I think our last comment. Um, so I just wanted to mention a quick point about, you know, we have this equity survey uh, last year, and I think our district is trying to move in the direction of um, thinking about DEI types of, uh, you know, how we can be better as a district, support families and students in that way. And I think that, you know, the surveys are great too. I think I'd love to see surveys in the context of like, we're not just removing this, but you know, it would be an opportunity. But, but I worry too, like you send out a survey and the majority of families are Christian or Jewish. Um, you're going to get results back that are skewed to that, which doesn't necessarily take into consideration. And so I think, you know, can we use the DEI task force to, as part of the decision making around this? And so again, I think it's an opportunity here where we have 
feedback from this equity audit where we know that there's some areas that we can work on and this could be potentially a way to, to, to make it strong. Oh, sorry. I think that's a great idea, Jen. And, uh, <clears throat> I share Terry's uh, recollection. Um, I believe we had a subcommittee look at this whole thing back then. And we were all set to get rid of the, um, all of the holidays until these, as she said, very passionate people from Jewish community came out and changed our minds on the diet. I don't expect it to be much different this time around. I could be wrong. But um, I did have another question though. Where would PDAs be if you could just pick the best date for PDAs? I think it's a great question. We would bring that back to the PD committee and, and have a conversation with the PD committee about the best. I noticed one was in late September, draft C, it was September 25th. Late September doesn't seem to be one of them to me when you just had a couple of school schools started. Yeah, October you know, tends to be a good a good month, you know, as teachers have created their routine and kind of rhythm. And then um, you know February, March. Um, again. Definitely March. March long. <laughs> <laughs> but so we would you know, we've not really had the conversation with the professional development committee. It's been, this is where PD Day fits. Um, we'll work around that and develop the best PD Day we can during that. Just, just to kind of combine a lot of the comments that have been made and to, to echo the support of putting this out to a committee that is in touch with the inclusivity objectives of the districts, all three of them, uh, as it pertains to what has been a, and what still remains a Judeo-Christian-centered kind of cultural norms in, in all of these communities, and creating a more kind of inclusive space with the policies that you have now I think we are at kind of an infliction point with things that we elevate in addition to some of the things that are already kind of culturally normative, right? Like, and I think that it's important that we keep the framework of the messaging for generate for the for the next 10 to 15 years more so than just the next year, right? Like as demographics are changing and individuals of different of different belief backgrounds or different kind of any type of different kind of background are coming in and joining our communities that we're messaging, even in, we, even in the most subtle ways as a school calendar, that though, yes, we do have some kind of Judeo-Christian cultural normities around Christmas break, what we're calling it winter vacation, that the idea is to move in the direction of the inclusive environment and ecosystem that we say we want. And that by elevating certain religious observances over others is in direct conflict to that, at least from my point of view. And so I would say that that has been said in different ways by other members, um, but that is an important frame and lens through which we see the decision moving forward. I am all for surveys. But I also want to keep in mind the anecdotal evidence that has come to us in just one meeting already of the school year, in addition to individuals 
in our public square who have said other items around why does the school calendar have eight days off in the first six weeks? And so I think that surveys don't often reach the people who are less passionate. Uh, and so as we gather results from whatever feedback, we just keep in mind that that is reflective of the folks who are taking the time to take the surveys uh, in conjunction with the other feedback that we're receiving, whether through public comment or as individuals in our communities. Thank you for your time. I have just one thing, a piece of data that may or may not illuminate anything is like comparison, just how attendance on whether it be Diwali or Yom Kippur or someone uh, differs from our daily average attendance. It does it or does it not? So, um, I think we've got enough suggestions to sustain you till our next discussion. <laughs> I mean, I think this is a very important topic. It's, you know, it's, it's far greater than just the calendar. Um, there's a lot underneath, um, and I think that we need to. I think there are a lot of ways to collect yep. feedback and information. Surveys is one way. Forums, anecdotal. I think we need to make sure we're canvassing a lot of different uh, groups of people and different methods. Absolutely. And I'm going to set up time, so I'll take one more on this, and then. Um, it's just, it's just a point of reference. Where, when would be the optimal time that you would like us to take a vote on this for the operation of the schools for the next school year? I think if, you know, ideally, I think if the calendar is um, approved in the January, February time frame, um, that is typically when parents are thinking about summer camps, vacation schedules. Um, However, it might not be feasible depending on on the data that we collect and the decisions that the committee needs to make. Thank you. <laughs> I, I just have one. I just have a suggestion. Whereas, if it, I was thinking that I think the most important date for that I always hear about is the first day of school, <laughs> and that's really not up for huge debate, probably. So we could always maybe establish that it's in a in a more timely way if this turns out to be a lengthier. shuffling of, of staffing in our finance department. Um, we welcome Corianne Bardsley as the Southboro Financial Coordinator. Elena Dapo, who was the Southboro Financial Coordinator, moved to, or was the Northboro Financial Coordinator, moved to the Regional Financial Coordinator. And then Pamela Roberts, who was the receptionist, moved to the Northboro Financial Coordinator position. Um, and much of this resulted as a result of Pamela Height, who retired as Southboro's financial coordinator. So um, needless to say, the finance department has had a lot of moving parts um, and has been impacted, but it's done an outstanding job welcoming new members and, and making sure that all of all aspects of the finance department's tasks um, were completed in a timely and efficient manner. Any questions on that? Action on minutes. 
within uh, three sets of minutes. Uh, the combined open meeting minutes of June 15. Can we do these all as one, or should we take them one by one? Does the executive session have to retain? Um, executive session can be retained, uh, retained, yes. It should be retained. retained. Um, so, uh, we need a motion to accept the action without a combined open meeting of June 15th, 2022. Uh, I'll make a motion and combine uh, A and C. I move that we accept the combined open meeting minutes of June 15th, 2022, and the combined special open meeting minutes of August 25th, 2022. I'll make that motion for North Grove, the region, and the Union. Marching the time. Second, second, second. 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 Unanimous. South Pro. Unanimous. Uh, yes. Those passed, and then do we need a motion for the executive session to retain it? I move that. Um, to accept and retain the combined executive session meeting minutes of June 15, 2022 for North Borough, the region, and the union. Second for the union. Second. Second. Roger, North Borough. You need a second? Yes. Second. There we go. Okay. In the union. We have a second for the union. Second for the union. Oh, perfect. Okay. Can we just do all at once? Sure. Okay. Uh, everyone in favor. <laughs> we don't have to do it like Zoom. Okay. Anyone opposed? Abstained? No. Is, no. Is that for the three that you mentioned? Because that did we have a motion for South Road yet? No. Any motion for so South Road? South Road. All in favor for South Road? Unanimous. Sorry. I'll work this out. <laughs> Um, that brings us to our second public comment. Is there anyone in the public that would like to share something with the committee? Seeing none, um, the region will stay in session with a break. And the other two North will entertain a motion to adjourn. Second. Second. Adjourn at 7.04. Oh, with the vote? Yes. All in favor? Unanimous. South will entertain a motion to adjourn. So moved. Moved by Katura. Second. Second by Jan. Uh, all in favor? Unanimous. 704.